This episode of Radio Atlantic is brought to you by Microsoft Copilot for Security. In the age of AI, we're empowering security teams to better detect and better defend cyber threats. Stay tuned to find out how. Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hello, this is The Review, a podcast from the Atlantic's culture team about movies, television, and all the things we make to entertain ourselves. I'm David Sims, a staff writer at The Atlantic, and I'm joined today by two other staff writers on our culture team, Spencer Kornhaber. Hello. And Shirley Lee. Hi. It's the Gucci crew. <laughs> Listen to our Gucci episode. Uh, how's everyone doing? I am hopped up. I just walked out of the Spider-Verse. <laughs> out Shirley, the how Spider-verse. you doing? I'm doing well. I was going to say bonjourno because this was the Gucci crew, but then it felt like too much. <laughs> so that's where well, we Well, you know, in the last Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man did go to Italy. He Remember? did. He, he did. went on a school trip to Italy. <laughs> he went to Venice. The next, the next one will be a crossover with House of Gucci and, and yeah, he'll Lady fight Gaga will watch out, walk out of a portal. <laughs> right. Uh, Spider-Man, I just want to make you your suit. Oh, come on. I love to, I love to design. <laughs> That's that's Jared Leto <laughs> asking Spider-Man to design his suit. Hello, everybody. Hello. We're here to discuss Spider-Man colon No Way Home, the, I want to say, 27th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the, oh boy, I guess it's, oh, how many Spider-Man movies alone have there been? Uh, Seven. This is the eighth, I want to say, but not including Spider-Verse. This, this is ninth if you're including is, Spider-Verse. And I guess you should, given that this film well, is verse yes. interested, interested in verses. If we're going to include every Spidey appearance, then we are up to double no, digits. No, 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 no. That's too complicated. <laughs> I'm just saying there have been uh, one, two, three, four, five, right, nine movies branded mm-hmm. explicitly as Spider-Man movies in the yes. last 20 odd years. Yes. And so we are here to talk about what this is the third Tom Holland starring Spider-Man movie. He's also been in various other Marvel movies, as Shirley is referencing. It is, you know, an explicit sequel to in the in the what the home saga, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, following right up from what was the last one? Called? Far from home. far from home. <laughs> far from they were home. in Italy. They were in Italy. No, no, the, the, uh, the confusion. The confusion makes the sense. names are you know, very the, bad. The names are the think, names are not great. They, re- they, they remind me. They remind me of when um. You know, they did the the new Planet of the Apes movies, and it was Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and then Dawn of yep. the Planet of the Apes, and I kept confusing yep. the two because that's just the same thing. Well, also, Dawn should have been first. Dawn yes. comes before Rising, I would D- say. Right. Like they and could- then and then and then they followed it with War. It's not like the sun yeah. dawns, rises, and goes yeah, to but War. It, it so I don't know why they. Like- <laughs> I always hate sequel naming conventions like that where they kind of abandoned it at a certain point. I mean, I kept calling it. Spider-Man 3 in my head and then I would like correct myself because Spider-Man sure. 3 was Happened. this like <laughs> catastrophe from the 2000s. So yeah. yeah, whatever. It's some something with home is in the title of all these. Right. The yeah. initial Spider-Man Homecoming, the first Tom Holland 
solo movie mm-hmm. that came out in 2017. I guess that's referencing like, oh, Spider-Man has come home to the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. He's not stuck in his own pokey universe, only talking to Spider-Man intellectual property. <laughs> he can have a conversation <laughs> with Iron Man or Doctor Strange <laughs> or whoever. And of course, as the MCU, uh, since it dawned in 2008, has expanded, that is part of the undeniable magic of those movies it's something that i feel like all these other cinematic universe attempts from other studios have tried to capture never Mm -hmm. quite gotten it just the sort of the weird it happens i think it's in avengers infinity war i talk about it uh a lot with people the cut from i don't know you know iron man's doing some business right and the thing's in the sky and he looks up or whatever and Mm -hmm. then you cut to peter parker you cut to tom holland in a school bus yeah and it is you are just sort of like, oh, right. You know, it's all, everyone's on the table. Like it's, it, yeah. it, it is, it is the sort of magic trick these things pull off that you can, you can suck everyone into one big world. And uh, whatever you think of Marvel, obviously these movies are hugely successful. But we're not here to just, uh, surely <laughs> you and I see Marvel movies. It's part we, of our job, see, but we enjoy we them, them, right? Mm-hmm. Spencer. You mm-hmm. had not seen any of the Spider Man, the, the the recent Spider Mans, the Tom Hollands, right? What's yeah. your sort of? I feel like you must be a more casual Marvel viewer in general, right? You sort of do you dip in and out? Have you not really seen many at all? Right. Yeah. Uh, no. I what's am, your status? Yeah, I'm a I'm a human being in the 21st century, so I've seen <laughs> right. You've seen a some lo- of these you know, things. thinking about it, I've seen a lot of Marvel without wanting to or trying to or really enjoying a lot of it. I think that it's pernicious as a force in culture kind of and and a lot of the properties and movies are like terrible but some of them are good and some moments are hilarious and it turns out that the tom holland spider-man is the best spider-man and i didn't know that before this weekend when i binged (gasps) the the three the three tom tom holland movies yeah had um, you seen like the Avengers movies that he pops up in or anything like that, you know, yes. Endgame or Civil, Civil War, War, any of these things? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I remember. Yeah, he pops up, and there's it, it is kind of exciting, and he brings some energy to what? Yeah, it's Civil War when he first shows up. But I didn't. You don't really get a like great sense of like where he's coming from or what his deal is in those movies. Um, we should go back to the original Spider-Mans are not really the originals, but the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man sure. at some point in this conversation. But the, like that, that was my Spider-Man growing up. And I mm-hmm. enjoyed those movies without like standing Spider-Man. But yeah, watching Homecoming and then Far From Home and then No Way Home, I'm just like, Tom <laughs> is Spider-Man. He, he is so, he's home, so nervous. Home is where he's Spencer's so nervous. heart is. <laughs> the movie was advertised on the back of... Spider-Man will be fighting, you know, villains from all the different Spidey verses. So he'll fight Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus and he'll fight Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin and he'll fight Jamie Foxx's elect, you know, like we're going to So it had teased that but it would not confirm that yes, in this film Tom Holland meets up with the other Spider-Men from other Spider-Worlds, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield also as Peter Parker. They all, you know, swing around together and they make <laughs> friends and they they have conversations and they consider the nature of heroism and blah blah. You know, like all this stuff happens in the back half of this movie, and it's ludicrous, obviously, it's, it, even it's by so the standards silly. of these movies, right? <laughs> yes, um, but it is kind of a like it's it's a pretty impressive magic trick for the movie to 
pull off at all. Like that you're even just sitting there being like, sure. Yeah, this makes sense, I guess. Like, I'll, I'll roll with this. That's not an automatic, you know, like, yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't say that that's like the easiest uh, sell for an audience. So I mean, yeah, I guess you... I was impressed by that. Yes. So like, this is like a new way that Marvel's folding, doing its character meetups. Like, you know, previously it's been everyone's in the same universe and they just like bump into each other because they live on the same earth. Now it's something even trippier and, and completely <sighs> unbelievable where you have different film franchises that are not even owned by the same people smashing up against each other. Like to Marvel people, is that working or not? And you are Marvel, Marvel people, to be clear. I mean, Shirley, to, you, you go ahead and then I have some thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. As a fan, it was fun. Like when I was at right. my screening, I think, you know, I was doing my typical thing where I was taking some notes. And then the scene came in where he just sees the Halloween decorations that are like, it's a string of lights and the lights are wizard shapes. And so he thinks of going to Doctor Strange and that was when I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not going to take too many notes on this. This is a movie that's kind of like... <laughs> I miss that the Halloween lights caused him <laughs> that, to have this yeah. very stupid epiphany. This yeah. is a movie that's not... Yeah, this is a movie that's not going to go too deep into thinking about its character's motivations. It's just going to have things happen to him. And I was like, I'm going to go into my fan side and just take it as it comes. And as a fan, I enjoyed seeing these characters come together, right? It was kind of, it did feel like playing with your figurines and your toys and just tossing them all together and making it up as it goes. And that's a lot of fun. But I also think that it, it you know, a lot of these Marvel movies, the reason why people bristle at them is because they have become, you know, a monoculture that is largely critic proof. Um, and I don't want to rain on that parade so so anyway to answer your question david as a fan I, w I was having a great time i also had a very good time watching it beyond the fact that i you know these movies go down pretty smooth no matter how silly they are <laughs> there's just like to like kind of a movie dork like me there's something about like the sort of properties of movie stardom that that are being explored you know what i mean like to watch mm -hmm. three mm -hmm. takes on movie start like yes it's all i really wanted to think about with this movie like i was not really that uh fired up about the actual plot of spider-man no way home in which he must <laughs> you know redeem many supervillains and send them back to their own dimension and you know like you know like i was just, like, MIT. I, I get it i get it i get it right and like oh his friends need to get into mit and willie figure it out with mj obviously that's sort of crucial to spider-man that's like part of his gestalt like you know it's always like he wants to be a regular guy and he wants to be a kid and he wants to have a girlfriend and he's, you know, torn, mm -hmm. you know, he's pulled in a million directions by the responsibilities of his powers. And, you know, that's always going to be. But I did not think like, like I think that prior Spider-Man movies have explored that plenty. Like, you know, it's not it's not like I'm I, I don't think this is some sort of definitive text for the character. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, there is the the broader meta implications of one you feel marvel straining to be like look you've got to get used to other universes so we can start launching 
new characters for you. You know, this is all part of a long range scheme of like, you guys are going to get some X-Men. You're going to get fancy. You know, we've been, we've been acquiring, you know, sucking properties back into our, you know, black hole left and right. And so we need to prep you for that. Is they've Mm -hmm. been spinning this web and entangling more properties into it. Absolutely. Right. (laughs) And, and then there's also, you know, as this movie is this sort of staggering co-production by Sony and Disney, this sort of, you know, Treaty of Versailles level like thing where Sony kind of gets the money and Disney kind of gets to creatively play around with Spider-Man and blah, you Mm -hmm. know, it's all so complicated. But Sony has this long record with Spider-Man. They have a couple of hits and then they're like, okay, now we're cooking with gas. 80 villains in the next one. We're gonna, you know, eight (laughs) spinoffs on deck. You know, like they've done this every time that they get a little too worked up Mm -hmm. and they overplay their hand a little bit. That famously happens with the Sam Raimi movie where Spider-Man 3 kind of has three villains and not enough time for any of them. And it's, you know, a bit of a creative mess. Mm -hmm. And then even more so in the Andrew Garfield series where the amazing Spider-Man 2 is, is like the apotheosis of dumb superhero movie. Like it it cannot support its own weight. It's trying to set up a million things that never come to fruition. Like, you know, it's this, it's barely a movie. It's really more of like, a concept pitch it's to, a, you know, mm. executives. It's a great showcase for the Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone chemistry, but they don't even capitalize yeah, on that enough, you know? like Right. You know, there were things in those mm-hmm. movies that were intriguing. It's, and yeah, and they, and they had these stars. And so the Holland movies have worked better. And I think they've worked better because Kevin Feige, the Marvel honcho, he's very smart about how to smooth this stuff out creatively, how to like, Mm -hmm. you know, give fans what they want, but without overloading, like how to present these things in very sort of clean narrative packages. So I've always enjoyed them, but I have always also been like, you know, a little wanting for the sort of the crazy heights of the Raimi movies, you know, Dr. Octopus's arms Mm -hmm. murdering a whole hospital of people or, you know, like, you know, like this sort of stuff that could be more Grand Guignol. That's been lacking for me. It's kind Mm. of a gift and a curse being in this Marvel package for Spidey. I think it has really helped, you know, tell you exactly who this character is without, you know, rehashing Uncle Ben, you know, (laughs) like it's, it's, it works. But then it's also a bit of a curse because these movies are still Marvel movies. It's going to clash against these constraints that come with each one of them. They they build mm-hmm. this universe. They 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 have a certain tone, and uh, yeah, yeah. Tony I, I mean, Stark is calling him on the cell phone every few minutes in the first couple movies. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Robert Downey Jr. clearly getting his sort of like, all right, I'll give you five days. <laughs> I'll collect my fifteen million dollars or whatever. I mean, right, right. I completely here like all of the like cynical money grubbing uh yeah, rationale b- behind <laughs> what is transpired take in my Spider-Man. money and i thought that i think that you're right Shirley, for those first two movies in the holland franchise it was sort of uh it was sort of a strange match between spider-man that's kind of very low to the ground that's the phrase they use hero who's just a kid and that we all know uh has this particular kind of arc that he can play out because we've seen these other Spider-Mans um, and then, then this like overarching, chaotic, technologically obsessed mm-hmm. zeitgeist of the MCU. Um, See, so there was like a pin- ping-ponging thing there that I didn't think fully worked all the time even if, even if the Spider-Man stuff I thought was very good. But for this one, they did something really unbelievable which was do the most cynical turn you could which were bringing all these other characters from other movies and make it feel like a Charlie Coffin film. 
Like it's mm. it it reminds me of being John Malkovich or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. They like they lean into the trippiness of it, but also like the emotional part of it. Did you guys feel things about Spider-Man in this it's movie? Actually, it's so funny that you bring up Eternal Sunshine because I thought like the the Michelle Gondryness was in the second uh-huh. Holland film, you know, where Mysterio casts his whatever illusions. <laughs> but yeah, like that sequence, I was like, oh, we're getting into trippy territory. This one, though, I see where you're coming from, Spencer, because we bring in Doctor Strange, and by bringing in Doctor Strange, you get to play with, you know, the the mirror realm. Is that the right word? Oh my the god, mirror dimension. So many. Mirror dimension. Yes, that's right. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, it, it, it brings in two other Spider-Mans. And mm-hmm. the whole deal with Spider-Man is that he feels kind of like lonely and this heroic outcast in the world who can't really, yeah, like have other friends and who's always being misunderstood and being persecuted by um, some journalist played by J.K. Simmons, no matter what uh, universe they're in. And it's like Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield look at each other and they love each other. It is so beautiful. They they see Magic. themselves in each other. It's like yeah. it's like meeting the the long lost twin you never had and it completely works. Like yes. Andrew Garfield is lumping his throat the whole time and Tom Holland, you know, it seems like he's on the verge of an emotional breakdown and he's being pulled back from the edge <laughs> by these other guys. <laughs> really and and Toby is there as the as the kind of like wise older youth pastor whose uh, calm <laughs> energy, you know, helps them save the day and it's yeah. like it's like, it's beautiful. Like, yeah. what, what the hell? The three <laughs> the of them. Okay, so it, yeah. There's this sort of weird magic to this movie beyond, uh, to, to give you the plot of the movie, Spider-Man <laughs> is annoyed that his secret identity has been revealed by Jane Jonah Jameson, uh, as you say, J.K. Simmons. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Doctor Strange and is like, help a guy out, cast a magic spell. And Doctor Strange is like, okay, rather than being like, no, what? I'm not going to mess with reality. I mean, he puts up the customary, <laughs> this, you know, this, it's, to protest. It's, this is completely unbelievable. This is the <laughs> and, worst part of the movie. But yeah, yeah, this is where and I then put he's away like, my ah, you're a sweet kid. I'll cast a spell. And then, how, you know, Spider-Man's like, oh, please, oh, don't, you know, but a bunch of <laughs> addendums, you know, I want my girlfriend to know who I am, et cetera. Um, so the spell goes crazy and the, you know, barriers between reality start to melt and all these people show up blah 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 who cares you know this movie is sort of this like it's kind of like what james bond did with skyfall i guess where it's like you know all these years in let's have an accounting of like what is it to be spider-man right like what 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 what, what does it mean and these tom holland movies have also they also kind of i think because that you know marvel knew audiences would be kind of exhausted by another Spider-Man origin story. They started in the middle a little mm-hmm. bit. Like Iron Man introduces him fully formed. Yes. Uh, you don't have Uncle Ben's death. You know, you don't have the exactly. usual uh, plot line from Amazing Fantasy. So weirdly, this movie ends kind of on this note of like, and now Tom Holland is Spider-Man, the Spider-Man you all know. Your and you're sort of like, wait, has yes. he been in like six freaking movies? <laughs> Yeah, I just figured out with great power comes great responsibility. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, he didn't well, know what came with great power, like for so many movies. And he's although, like, oh, uh, yeah, it comes but, with having to pay your rent uh, yes. on your own and, and having to um, sew your own Spidey suit. 
this goes back to what I was saying, because you start at the midpoint and he's introduced via Tony Stark, via the Avengers, yeah. he's already a part of a team. You you don't really have the isolated Spidey. And so they and so this film kind of does the whole like lighting, you know, the Phoenix bursting into flames so he can go back to being a baby kind of deal. And I think maybe that's where the magic comes from, because you can see that it has to toss everything into the film, but then the very glow of it comes from those three Spider-Men talking it out yes. about what Spider-Man is. And you're like, oh, okay, here we go. We're going to go all the way back to the roots, right? Like, now he's going to be alone. Yes, exactly. Now, 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 right. Like The classic Spider-Man is uh, perpetually unlucky, kind mm-hmm. of unloved by his city, even though they're, mm-hmm. you know, the common man kind of like Spider-Man, but the city never really is always kind of chasing him. And always struggling like anytime he makes a personal advancement getting pulled back Mm -hmm. by you know like that now tony stark yes in these movies was sort of his uncle ben you know like that was i guess right he was kind of a mentor he dies in avengers endgame blah 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 there is a very sweet scene i was very sold on tom holland when they first cast him Mm -hmm. i was very excited about it not when they cast him because i was like okay i don't you know some british kid i don't know him but (gasps) But like that scene in Civil War, which is a movie I didn't really like, where he says to Tony Stark, like, Tony Stark's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, when you can do the things I can and bad things happen, you know, if you don't do them, that's because of you. You know, like he's sort of he it's not like he completely had ignored the the mission of Spider-Man up to this point. But it's just there's like this weird, yeah, movie alchemy of watching these three actors who have all kind of talked about how much this role sort of chews you up and spits you out in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Tobey Maguire hasn't been in a movie since 2014. In like, seven years. Yeah. Since, since the, yeah. Uh, is that true? The that Bobby is, Fisher movie. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> His performance in this movie is almost eerie. Like it's, yeah. it's like, oh, dang. Like, you know, and like, especially to see him basically turn on the performance we remember from 20 years ago, like that's mm-hmm. sort of what you're talking about, that kind of more muted awkwardness, like the sort of sweet youth pastory thing, Spencer, that you see. Like, like truly, like the two Spider-Mans after him are so kind of extroverted and charming right. and like mm-hmm. and like cuddly. And then I watched a little bit of the first Raimi film and Toby's like truly weird. Like he's, he he's is odd. a dork. <laughs> yeah. And like that, that was that character for so long and I had forgotten that that was who Spider-Man was, kind of like truly like deep in his bones an outcast. And Toby brings that. We're entering a new era of security. Cyber threats are escalating rapidly. And while tech alone can't eliminate every threat, it can empower security teams to quickly respond to incidents at scale. Microsoft is transforming the industry by innovating to arm teams with the resources necessary to outpace adversaries and operate at machine speed. Microsoft Copilot for Security, powered by generative AI, works alongside Defenders. Stay tuned to learn more about Copilot's capabilities after the episode. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. I think that with McGuire's, those movies were obviously very canonized, the Raimi movies, but 
I do remember at the time, and I remember me feeling this way as sort of a nerd about the character that I was like, Spider-Man is supposed to be more of a live wire, wise cracky, mm-hmm. sort of mile a minute mouth while he's fighting people. And McGuire had given this more performance that he, the kind of performance he can give, this more muted kind of emo, you know, like that's that that was Tobey Maguire's thing and things like the ice storm in Pleasantville. You know, that's what you're going to get. And so Garfield comes in, right, and he's more the kind of energetic teenager Spider-Man that I guess people yeah. wanted. It's just that those movies really, really struggle to have a point beyond him and Emma Stone's chemistry, which is genuine. What I remember about Andrew Garfield's performance from the original films, and this was this was when I had like a Tumblr and I was really into Andrew Garfield and I was like, love this guy, I want to see him in link, The link in the podcast description. <laughs> Um, but but I remember just I love that in his film, it, it wasn't just him, you know, skateboarding or whatever Sony at the time thought that all young people were doing. It was this looseness to him that, you know, he he, he kind of mm-hmm. spins around a lot when he's walking. Yeah. Like he's constantly like vibrating. He's he's always moving in a lot of directions at once. But Garfield for me, there's something about him in this movie that one, he's been very open about like being at the center of that very, very corporate process of making a Spider-Man movie was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of brain crushing for him. Yeah. Exactly. And since then, he's pretty much entirely avoided doing any movie that you could really call commercial. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's made big movies like Hacksaw Ridge and Silence. And now, you know, this year he was in Tick, Tick, Boom and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. But these are not like Spider-Man type movies. And so when he came, I was like, is he going to have the sort of energy and effort for this and to watch him it is that like flick on the movie star charisma like it's like oh right he obviously loves to play weirdos and strange sort of alienating characters on screen but Mm -hmm. like he has this you know in a box that he could just kind of open it up just the absolute sort of overflowing bubbling charm like it was just sort of it's a testament to movie stardom, just to watch someone like yeah. unleash that, if, you know, as needed, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's also, I don't know, he comes in with this inherent vulnerability, which is mm-hmm. why I think he popped when when he was become, you know, when he was becoming a breakout star back in the social network and never let me go. He's the kind of actor who comes in with this not a hangdog expression, but it, it's just this, like, you you want to protect him. <laughs> and he's all, he's charming at the same time. He's vulnerable at the same time. And his Spidey, especially in this film, just wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think you do have to bring in a meta element to it where you're like, oh, right, this franchise crushed you. <laughs> and <sighs> this was your right. favorite character growing up. And you never got a third movie. And you didn't even get the best villains in your movies. So ah, <laughs> I think all of that, all of that plays a role in in him working so well. I mean, the amazing thing to me, right, there's this meta element to this movie, but the Marvel movies are all extremely meta and extremely self-referential and yes. um, mm-hmm. constantly riffing on who the actors are, what the lineage of the comics books are, what the situation of the corporate ownership of these characters are like that's all mm-hmm. winked to in these movies and i have become very tired of that and don't really find it charming at all but in this movie it is charming because i think spider-man sort of transcends mcu and really is i would say like the the best superhero in our popular culture or like the the one that i think 
the most people can agree on. Like Batman, Superman, they, like they they're they're around, but I I think people love Spider Man more than they love anyone else. Is that does that ring true? You know, it's funny, right? Like you know, the thing with superheroes is probably they're so insanely dominant in the cinema space now mm-hmm. that it is hard to even say like who is who is the number one or who's the most like sort of i guess batman is probably you know much like spider-man this like just like insanely enduring the fact Multiple that audiences iterations. are right are willing to be like there's a new spider-man sure yeah i'll go <laughs> yeah. see yeah. different guys doing it makes sense to me and then they you know sony releases this animated film into the spider-verse and i remember when they announced it which was their way of sort of, you know, doing this character, Miles Morales from the comics, who is uh, not Peter Parker and who is Latinx, Afro Latinx. Uh, And I was like, are we really going to deal, like be okay with like this sort of idea of like different dimensions, different types of spice. And it's like, the audience reaction was like, yes, we love it. Like we, we, we accept this wholeheartedly. Like that sale has been made people are fine with it they are absolutely okay with the absolute ridiculousness of three grown men thespians tony winning actor andrew garfield like the people i've seen you know tv movie award for best kiss winning actor (laughs) toby mcguire standing alongside each other in red and blue spandex suits and like debating the meaning of spider heroism (laughs) and like i watch it with a full crowd i'm feeling emotional Uh, there are moments in this movie that had me tearing up you know like you know it totally works on me and i'm watching an audience like clap and laugh and be you know thrilled about it and I understand if people want to be like, this is the end of cinema. <laughs> well, you can't get do it. this with any, well, this is what I'm saying. You can't do this with any other character. Like, like it, it will never work this well again. No. And, and that, but that, but the, the future of Marvel, from my understanding, is probably trying to do things like this, right? Well, I would imagine yeah. so. Maybe I'm, nothing quite this ambitious, but, you know, multiversal concepts, certainly, yeah. right, Shirley? Yes. I mean, well, for one thing, they can't approach this with Doctor Strange because there aren't other actors who have played Doctor Strange, but there are certainly yes. different iterations of Doctor Strange who are going to be appearing in the next Right, film, there'll be you know? a bad Doctor Strange, yes. and there'll be a, so, blah, you know, a frog Doctor Strange, and there'll be yeah. a, you know, dust mite Doctor Strange. Like, I'm the way that I've been up. feeling about this fourth phase in the MCU is that it is bigger, and it, like, it's fulfilling the promise of exploding the universe. Even the shows have kind of ventured in this idea of alternate realities, and what I worry about is that it's just going to feel like connecting the dots instead of solving a puzzle in a fun way. And all you're doing is just coloring, you know, connecting the dots and not actually shading it in and and mm-hmm. just, you know, having, you know, g- getting something emotional from it. And so I've responded differently to a lot of the movies that have come so far, right? I think with something like Shang-Chi, which was exploding realities and bringing you to an alternate dimension and introducing, you know, that the idea that there could be magical, mystical creatures to to a new level, what helped it from remaining only in dot-connecting territory for me was a really well-defined villain. And of course, a great performance from Tony Leung, but you always get that. But then I think like films like Black Widow, which is in this fourth phase, you mm-hmm only get the dot connecting. It is only about resolving what happened to this character in the time before she died in Endgame. 
And even though it tries to shoehorn in a message to try to shade in whatever shape you created with those connected dots, it doesn't work. You're you're working with, you're not working with enough. Um, and I think what saves this film from just feeling too overwhelming is is these performances really move it in the direction of remembering that there's a story. One thing about this phase from, you know, as a casual viewer, so I've seen like WandaVision on Disney Plus and I've seen yeah. a little bit of the Loki show. And this, I I think th- like they're all kind of interesting and they feel like one-off Star Trek episodes where something really <laughs> weird happens in the rules of the universe break and they're kind of confronting this abstract theoretical question mm-hmm. on screen and that's sort of fun to see. And there's something about it where I prefer this to just the gangs all together, Avengers style, let's see which superpower trumps the other superpower sort of movie. And it recognizes what has always been sort of the problem with any sort of superhero movie, which is that once you start introducing magic to our real world, our real world in real life would fall apart. Like things Mm -hmm. would get really crazy quickly and nothing would make sense anymore and society would start to break down and people would start going insane. And like, I think like this movie is getting at just like the fabric of reality is frayed. And like at the end, Dr. Strange is trying to close the dimensional doors from all the other realities where all the other Peter Parkers are. And you're like, that is very silly, but it's also the logical conclusion (laughs) of where this all has to go, which is nonsense and the end of the universe. Right. Like, so like, right. And I think that we're as a, culture kind of ready to um, we're kind of hungry for stories about not just like the end of the world not just apocalypse stories not just like buildings blowing up stories but like reality fraying stories like that like they really they are getting at that I think that is cool but I I can't imagine that you build a whole another 20 years of movies on that. I don't know. Yeah, there is something dissonant about, you know, people disappeared for five years in this universe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, haven't you just written yourself into a corner where everyone's still dealing with that trauma? Like, like I've been watching Hawkeye and part of what I really like about Hawkeye is it is dealing with, like, small-scale stuff. It it is just, like, everyday issues with superheroism. But it does sometimes feel so dissonant to me because it is, like, Oh my God, why isn't everyone still freaking out? (laughs) All of you (laughs) disappeared for years. I mean, this is the comic book thing of like, Mm -hmm. how, like in Marvel, the comics, but these movies now as well. Like when Peter got a good apartment at the end of this movie, despite, (laughs) spoiler alert, not having a literal identity because (laughs) Doctor Strange like erased. I was like, how did he get this apartment? And then I I was like, wait, why would anyone live in New York City in this world? It is constantly (laughs) besieged by aliens. Like, of course. It's the center of the universe. That's what we always say. So it's the same appeal. But this is the whole thing about comic book status quo that you always consider where you're like, wait a second, why why do people go about on their merry days, you know, going to work in a world where like, you know, people appear on television, like imagine, you know, Mr. Fantastic just being like, yeah, you know, the current issue is that, right, like a a planet sized villain is thinking of eating us. But uh, me and my team are going to try and, you know, sort this out. And you're just like, okay, well, you know, I hope I'll, you know, maybe I'll watch blah TV tonight, you know. It's just you just have to accept mm-hmm. the the sort of madness layered on top of the ordinary, like the DC movies, the Supermans, etc. You know, those exist to me in this more painterly reality where it's like 
it's sort of you know america uh, middle america of the 50s forever right like it's this mm-hmm. kind of like non and the whole marvel experiment was like well what if we make these more real heroes like what is yeah. spider-man a, a teenager awkward a kid you 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 empathize with him as a reader like what if that mm-hmm. and that of course was that's what worked about marvel that's what made it different when it came on the scene and it has worked. I'm happy to sit there and just accept what we see. I'm happy to just accept that Jonathan Majors appears as a, as a character that you've never met before in the season finale of Loki um, and just go along for the ride. I think there is just, um, for me, I I do just still in the back of my head feel like something is starting to be missed if we just propel ourselves forward look these movies in my opinion and i like them and i'm a comic book nerd who it's to me a kind of a careful what you wish for thing i always wanted (laughs) these things to exist (laughs) as this big fungible universe and now they do and i'm like oh boy it's maybe a little too much of this you know like i you know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's i wish they'd matter a little less but i also have no it makes sense to me that these movies go over so well they i i yeah they're very, very well put together. Like, I, I don't, I'm yeah. not going to begrudge their success. Yeah. Uh, I should, right, I should mention at this point that this movie in three days became the most successful film of 2021 uh, in, in, in America domestically. It opened to about $260 million. I think it's now at 200. It's basically at 300 after four days. Uh, which is just well beyond anything else anything is made this year. Obviously, all the top movies of the year, Marvel movies, Shang-Chi, Venom, Black Widow, Eternals. You've got F9 and No Time to Die up there. You know, those are the sort of big hits. They're all these sort of familiar franchisey things. But this movie has demonstrated as a new fuck, <laughs> a new strain of the variant, a new, new strain of the coronavirus, like pops its head up people are like well yeah but i'm seeing spider-man like i'm going to the theater for that and i do think there's some level of despair with you know critics like me who are like that that's all well and good and i like that people are going back to the theaters but it is Mm -hmm. you know it's too bad that not every movie is getting a spillover of that you know like Mm -hmm. that that, that, it's it seems so far to be focused on movies that appeal to young people but young people are the people who feel safe doing this i guess yeah it's such i mean it's a spider-man movie it would hit. Um, I did see that it got like the rare A plus cinema score grade, you know? So people people are happy with it. They are. And, and actually, I, I just want to go back to the nostalgia point because I think another part of it, you were saying this is, it's nice to see these guys, the movie, and not to make everything about the pandemic, but there is an element of like, oh my God, my old friends, I haven't seen you in so long, you know? And that's nice. Yeah, I, you know, I think... All of the stuff that really hit for me in this movie was more just that weird, heady nostalgia of like, God, I've yeah. been watching these movies since I was a teenager. And like, it's it's sort of funny to reflect on that. And it's nice to reflect on that. We've only talked around this a little bit, but yeah, there is, apart from the spider, Spider-Men, the Spider's Man, uh, there are many villains from this movie, in this movie from past films. So you've, you know, you've got two sort of big kahunas both from the Raimis. you've got willem dafoe and alfred molina both really laying on the sauce in my opinion just having so, so much fun much sauce and then you have that but then because meanies. they need to f- they're such meanies and then you know <laughs> dafoe you know it's funny like dafoe playing a comic book villain it's a, like he you know like they used him so early it was so obvious right like defoe one of cinema's great sort of weirdos and villain you know like he's so good at it and so it's nice that 
he could sort of come back 20 years on and be like, you know, this is how it's done. Like, this is just, I am playing a madman. Like, there's, <laughs> there's not like a ton of dimensionality to Norman Osborn. He's, he's quote unquote crazy. He's, you know, <laughs> there's like a good guy and then inside him is a bad guy yes. who's yes. like, you should be bad. <laughs> And then, you know, Dr. Octopus obviously has a little more tragedy to him. He's sort of been taken over by his arms and he's, you know, like, and Molina's mm-hmm. was such a great choice for that at the time. It's, but then you have this funny thing of they're like, well, we need some more villains. So let's get Jamie Foxx, who is this sort of risible performance in Amazing Spider-Man 2, but we'll spruce him up so he's not. You know, like he's his plot line in this movie is like, I don't want to leave this universe. I'm hot now. I, I like I look good now. Like, I don't look dumb. And you have uh, the lizard and the Sandman as well. Both largely CG performances with little brief cameos from their actors, uh, you know, visual cameos. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you guys enjoy all of the throwback villainy? Uh- <laughs> I didn't recognize most of them. I recognized Green Goblin and then like knew who Dr. Ock was, but I don't, I guess I don't really remember that performance. Um, I feel like you need to see (gasps) Spider-Man 2 again, Spencer. I think I do. It's the definitive superhero movie. All right. Yeah. I'll I'll blow off my deadline and watch it after this. Please do. What I enjoyed about seeing all these villains all at once is that you could kind of see the trajectory of superhero films. And this might sound a little cynical, Uh, but it is like, no, that's fair. You see the performances from Willem and Alfred, and especially with Alfred as Doc Ock. Remember when Sam Raimi was directing those films, those arms could only be puppets, right? So you could only do so much, and they had to be really inventive about that hospital scene and how it destroyed everybody. Here, you could put Alfred on a on a crane and then CG those arms in, and everything did look a little more wild. I, I mean, that's such a good point about like some they get more CGIE and and just sort of. Uh, less good and maybe as they go along but um, yeah I thought this was another way that the movie is kind of like sort of the ultimate statement about this genre like all these characters they had a little mishap like uh, just like Peter Parker did you know he got bitten by a radioactive spider two of them fell into like radioactive eel bolts or or something like they they bring up falling into (laughs) things yeah like mishaps avoid. You know, and then the others, like the Green Goblin, you know, wanted to be a better version of himself. You know, like, and like they're, they're all playing with the same dynamics as a superhero is. And it, it, there is like something about this movie where it really is like, so what? What, what is what is the difference between a villain and a hero? Like it's, it's so like so um, uh, cheesy. It seems it seems like it should be, but there is like you really see these guys clinging to their power and you see that, yeah, that is the essence of their villainy is that they mm-hmm. they uh, want to be these monsters. And then there's like this weird uh, goody two-shoes thing about Peter where he's like obviously doing something very, very stupid by trying to keep these people in his universe and fix them. Right. <laughs> and essentially sends them, you know, like is trying to put them in rehab. Um, and... <laughs> I don't really buy that anyone thinks that this is going to work or that it should work, but um, there's something sort of touching about the fact that it does work. And and like Doc Ock just becomes like a nice guy with giant robot arms out his back and he kind of feels bad about how he acted before. Like, um, redemption's possible. Is, is that, have there been a lot of redemptions in Marvel world? Yeah, I, I think again about Michael Keaton's vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. He decides not to share... Peter's identity. I guess it's a moot point yes. now, but no, but he or, does. no he does. not really because right. yeah, but it is like that's him showing 
responsibility, right? The, the, the main difference between Spider-Man's villains and himself is that he, you know, responsibility goes hand in hand with power and villains, mm. power just goes with more power. <laughs> um, Spider-Man, and, the, yeah. yeah. I get it now. Movie, the, the Raimi <laughs> movies and the, the, the Mark Webb movies both, you know, they would do this sort of classic thing of the like, Green Goblin dies. It's not Spider-Man's fault. Like he jumps out of the way of the glider mm-hmm. and it hits the green. You know, same with Doc. You know, the, the characters would die. It's sort of the clad. The Batman movies do it. A lot of them do it where it's like, we're not going to have our hero be a killer, but we are going to, you know, give the audience the satisfaction of like, don't worry, the bad guy's gone. Mm-hmm. And the Holland movies have avoided that. Uh, and when Mysterio died in the last movie, I would say the movie did actually try and make a point of how traumatic that was for Spider-Man versus just kind of a thing to shrug off. So yeah, it's fair to consider that kind of a philosophy for this movie, which I appreciate. Like, you know, like I appreciate this movie has some point to it beyond just like, let's, you know, get on the roller coaster and ride around with all our friends, you know, one more time. (laughs) All Um, our friends. I just don't know what's next for Marvel. I I mean, I know what's next is many, many more movies. And uh, after, you know, lots of sequels, Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, Guardians 3, you know, like they're just sort of loading the sequels on right now. Mm-hmm. I guess to feel, you know, to they've had a few sort of like Shang-Chi and Eternals were a little different. So, they, you know, swerve back to familiarity for a bit. Yeah. But... I don't know what to expect from any of this stuff anymore beyond this sort of endorphin button pushing. David, you know what that Uh, reminds me of? You and I saw Homecoming together at the screening, right? Yes, we did at the AMC Kips Bay. Shout out. You were late. Pre-pandemic, baby. Um, Yeah. What you're saying reminded me of how after that film, we walked out of the theater being like, that was a good time. After Mm -hmm. this film, I I was with my friend Devin. Shout out to Devin. And we were waiting for the credits scenes, right? The post-credits scenes. And the people around us were just like, well, what do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be Harry Styles? Because he was in the Eternals post-credits scene. Is it going to be, uh, you know, the the introduction of, is it going to be Venom, which it turned out to be? Is it going to be this, this, that? And I was just like, oh my God. It has gotten to a point where these movies leave you almost with this anxiety of like, what dot you're going to see next connected mm-hmm. you, what what you're going to you know what ip is going to be involved in next and that's not to say that it's joyless but it does it is a different feeling than just simply there's no finality it creates yes, a exactly. real curiosity sure. yeah like yes it's also this like non-ending ending where it's like yes this could be the last we see of tom holland and he's learned how to be spider-man and that's great and goodbye but so like it, there is this sense of the ending of like contract status tbd does zendaya <laughs> want to do another one she's welcome to is she sick of this then okay we sent her out you know on a sweet note you know like there's that that is sort of the inescapable magic. <laughs> about these marvel movies but here's the thing i am kind of ruining the magic but then i also have to give it up for you know like when endgame happened i was like after 20 like how are they going to actually make this feel final right like mm-hmm. given that marvel will never end until you know capitalism demands it <laughs> and then it did you know they successfully pulled that off like they're good at that balancing act of being like sending you out happy and complete and also being like but wait there's more you know that is that is the marvel experience yeah, I'm, I'm just never betting against Marvel these days, you know? It's it's like, because it is still fun. It is still fun, the, the fact that there is no ending. 
for me, it hasn't gotten exhausting. It just brings a different feeling. That's about it. I know that sounds so neutral and like I'm sidestepping <laughs> an issue, but yeah. Let's finish for the game. Uh, you know, Shirley had a good idea. I mean, I was going to, you know, who's everyone's favorite Spider-Man, I guess, is the easy question, right? Like, you, you just saw all three. I think, I think my favorite has been Tom Holland, after all. Mm. Like, if you had, look, I think when the Tom Holland films first started, I was like, well, Toby, you know, like, that's, that's the Spidey I grew up with, so I feel this connection. But I, I do, I, I think when I walk away from assessing these performances and the films that are built around them, Tom Holland has impressed me, and he has become my favorite Spider-Man to rewatch, save for Spider-Man 2. David, who's yours? Yeah, I guess I have to pick Toby because those are still sort of my favorite movies. I do think Garfield gave the sort of the most compelling performance in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets like a special commendation from me. But uh, Spencer, my guess is your, your answer has to be Holland. You're all in on Holland right now. Well, I did say Tom early in this yeah. episode, and he is, yeah, of these three, uh, I think just like the most hilarious to watch. And so, uh, yeah, in that world, I vote for Tom, but maybe I would say the um, Spider-Man who was in the 90s computer game, Spider-Man Cartoon Maker, which I had on CD, and uh, you you made little movies where you put like mm -hmm. Spider-Man moving mm -hmm. through a like scene, and you put like super villains in it and it was like playing with action figures but on a computer and I was maybe 10 or 11 and um, that was my Spider-Man bliss. So these, I'm just like remembering how like far back this IP goes yeah. to like before this era at all. You know, there are cartoons in the 90s or comic books like, yeah, I, I like the computer game version that probably five other kids played. Yeah, if we go into the Spider-Verse, then I would say that I really like Jake Johnson's Peter B. Parker. Yeah, he is pretty great in that movie. Jake Johnson <laughs> plays fantastic. a sort of disheveled Peter Parker. Uh, he's very funny. Uh, and Miles Morales mm -hmm. is, he's not yes. a Peter Parker, but he is sort of a great and lovable Spider-Man. That does it for the show. The review is produced by Kevin Townsend with help from AC Valdez. Our art is by Charlie Lemignon. I'm David Sims. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks, Shirley. Thank you. Thank you. The review is off next week for the holiday, but we'll see you again in 2022. <laughs> Shirley keeps disappearing. Yes, you're back. And now Spencer's gone. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> this episode of Radio Atlantic is brought to you by Microsoft Copilot for Security, completely integrated into your organization's security infrastructure. This AI companion is informed by 78 trillion signals daily to help you catch the threats others miss and reinforce your team's security posture efficiently. It synthesizes data from numerous sources and can analyze 500 lines of code in under a minute to put critical guidance at defenders' fingertips. It helps teams detect threats and take action in minutes instead of hours or days, which can reduce attack investigation time by up to 40%. Copilot also serves as a key second pair of eyes upskilling junior analysts with advanced capabilities, which frees up senior staff to focus on strategic priorities, all while safeguarding your data privacy. 
Learn more at microsoft.com slash copilot for security.